You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Whether you're an individual seeking to go on a missions trip or a church leader wanting to take your group, Blue Sky can make it happen. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz. I'm excited and honored that you would take a few minutes out to listen to this podcast. I want to today take a few minutes to talk about the King James Version of the Holy Bible. I've been asked about the King James Bible a bunch of times in my life by a variety of different people. Uh, We have covered in previous episodes uh, different Bible translations. In episode 3 I talked about kind of why there are so many different translations of the Bible and some of the different philosophies of translating the Bible. In episode 4 I specifically broke down the different types of techniques used in Bible translation. I talked about my favorite Bible translations that I recommend. I also mentioned the KJV, but I didn't really talk a lot about it. So I'd like to do that in this episode. Let me start off by saying that I believe the KJV is awesome in a lot of ways. It was first produced in the early 1600s, as a collaboration of more than 50 scholars and linguistic experts, some of the most brilliant minds of that day. They were originally brought together and charged by the King of England, King James, to come together and translate the Bible from its original languages into modern English, or the English of their day. The King James Bible was not the first English Bible. However, it would quickly prove to be the best English translation of that era. The team that translated and put together the King James Bible produced, in my opinion, one of the greatest literary works ever in human history. The King James Version has a legacy that really is second to none. It, it was a masterpiece, and it has really passed the test of time. I mean, from the, from the early 1600s up until the mid-1900s, you know, more than 300 years of time, you have a, a Bible that was used as the predominant English Bible in the English-speaking world. There have been dozens of other English translations that have come up over the centuries that haven't been nearly as good. I mean, eventually, within a generation or two, those English translations kind of die out in their popularity and their use. And therefore, if you're someone that likes the King James Bible, if you're someone that can understand it, I say that's awesome. Keep using it. If you like it and you want to use it, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I do think there are some people within Christianity today that kind of dog on or make fun of the King James. They kind of make fun of Christians that use the King James Bible as being old-fashioned or legalistic. And i got to be honest, I I think those are unfair charges. So if you are someone that's mocked the KJV, I'd like to challenge you a little bit on that. I want to encourage you to go back and study the history of the King James Version because it has an incredible legacy and has had a profound positive impact on the world. The team of men that worked to translate God's word and produce the King James Bible 
in my opinion, really deserve to be honored. So I'm thankful for their efforts. Now, on the flip side of that, we happen to have a segment of Christianity that seems to over-elevate the King James translation of the Bible. Now, if you happen to be someone that believes that Christians should only read from the King James Bible, I feel obligated to be honest with you and to tell you that I disagree with that assessment. And I simply want to respectfully give you the primary reason why I disagree. The King James Bible uses antiquated language uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, again, I love the King James Bible. Tremendous impact on the world. And they did a very good job in their day of translating the Bible from the original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, into the English of their day. Here's the issue with that. Language evolves. The Word of God doesn't change, but language evolves and changes. Certain words die out and they stop being used. Certain words are introduced to the language and they begin to be used. And certain words change in how they are used and therefore what they mean is different from time period to time period. There are certain words used in the King James Bible that were the best and most accurate translation of those words from the original languages into modern English in 1612. However, those particular words, because the meanings of those words have changed in English, therefore those particular words are not the best way to translate the Word of God. There are several examples of this. In fact, there are dozens of examples of this. But I just want to give you one example that stands out to me. 1 Corinthians 13. In the King James reads this way. 1 Corinthians 13.4 Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Right? It's basically referring to the fact that charity does that charity is a long-suffering thing. That anyone who has charity is kind. Anyone who practices charity does not envy. Right? That's what it's talking about. The ESV and most English translations today, they translate the words in this way. 1 Corinthians 13.4 Love is patient kind love does not envy now let's remember when the apostle paul is writing these words he's not writing them in english he's writing them in coin greek so he doesn't use the word charity or the word love so to argue that god picked the word charity or god picked the word love is silly because god didn't pick either one of those words the holy spirit through paul selected the word agape in 1 Corinthians 13.4, the word there is agape. And agape refers to unconditional love. The word agape refers to a type of love that is so loyal and so strong that whoever has this love is willing to be kind and benevolent, is willing to sacrifice. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13 that agape is long-suffering. Agape is kind. Agape is does not ever envy. And the Apostle Paul is challenging us to live a lifestyle where we demonstrate agape to others. Now, when you're going to translate the word agape in the year 1612, in that day, the word charity meant to love so fiercely that you're willing to sacrifice and do something kind and benevolent for another person. Therefore, in the year 1612, it made sense to translate the word agape into the word charity. That's an accurate translation at that time. However, 
Fast forward more than 400 years. The English language has evolved. And today, the word charity means something different. We no longer use the word charity to describe that form of love. Whenever a parent is demonstrating great love to their kid, we don't say, oh look, that parent has so much charity for their child, right? So we can't be loyal to a word that no longer makes sense. We can only be loyal to the word that God wrote, which is the word agape. And we must make the best effort to translate the word agape into a current word that makes the most sense. I think if we're honest, we come to the realization that the best way to translate the word agape into English is love. And that indeed is how most modern English translations translate the word agape. Now, is it possible that 100 or 200 years from now, the English language evolves to the point where a new English word comes on the scene and then we would have a word in the English language that better describes agape than simply the word love? Yes, that is very possible. And in that case, we would be obligated to translate the Bible using a different word because that word would better portray what the original word actually means. You see, our goal is to describe and accurately translate to the best of our ability the Word of God in a way that people can understand what it is God is saying to us. I've had some people that I've met that are King James only people and they've said to me things like, well, the Word of God doesn't change. Why are we changing it? Why are we retranslating the Bible? And I want to make it clear. I agree. The Word of God does not change. Right In 1 Corinthians 13, the word agape has been the same word for over 2,000 years. The Apostle Paul wrote the word agape, that has not changed. God's word has not changed. However, the English language has evolved and changed. And therefore, our ability to interpret and translate those Greek words has changed. So if we do not update the language we use when we are translating, what will happen is our translations will become inaccurate. And in that case, we run the risk of misportraying or misrepresenting the concepts in the Word of God. We run the risk of misrepresenting what it is God is actually saying to us. I again want to make it clear that I value the King James Bible. I admire it. I appreciate it. I do hope, however, that this podcast has maybe helped you to understand the value of modern Bible translations using modern English terms. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am always grateful for listeners like you. If you'd like to connect with me, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's spelled K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z, at Kenneth Ortiz. Or you can go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. It's the only way to guarantee that you don't miss a single episode of the podcast. You can find us both on iTunes and on Stitcher. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. 
I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this is Theology for the Rest of Us.